big picture, um, not enough points isn't going to win games. That starts with me. Um, so, you know, I just, uh, you look at this and you see where we had five possessions inside the 21 yard line and came away with three points. You know, it's not good enough. It's Hogan Johns. Offensively, you know, moving the football, um, but just not, not, not being good in the red zone. From the nine, Fields throws, and it is caught, but out of bounds. That's Mooney in the backfield, Fields rolls his direction to the right on fourth and one, trying to keep the play alive, and now he's dead. That looked awful from the snap. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Ah! Oh my God! He's an angry elf. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, Clark! You better ready to do some kissing? You know, whether it's penalties, whether it's, um, you know, any of it. Well, you know, again, we have to understand that you have to score in the red zone. Field goals do you no good, missed field goals do you no good, you need touchdowns. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? <laughs> it's the Adams. The Adams converge. Hogan Johns. It's the same old story again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Every and again. game is like Groundhog Day covering this team. <laughs> Adam Johns. What's up? You know, we took a night to sleep on it. Still feel the same about it. Oh, I feel I almost feel uh, grumpier about the whole thing. I mean, I got a list of things to go down today that uh, just a lot of things that annoy me, quite frankly. Um, that wasn't a very that was a very annoying football game. It's a great way to put it. Someone said in the elevator going down to the media room and we had a mixture of, uh, you know how you have like sometimes it's like supposed to be the media elevator, but like everything else at Soldier Field, they don't do right. There's half of it's always filled with fans, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. It's just the whole like premise of the whole thing. I laugh every week, but um, I do appreciate the let me interject. I do appreciate the fans when they yell. Media only, and they sneak in behind the person and jump in on the elevator. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate that effort from like I'm media, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. And yeah. then there's always some funny conversations in there. So someone said that was the worst game I've ever seen, and and, and our guy Jason Leisure goes, every week is the worst game we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. It's just it's uh. All right. Well, first of all, uh, we 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 put this off until uh, Tuesday morning. We're recording now. A couple reasons: one, just because it's such a late game, I and mean, we we wouldn't even been recording till one a.m. I think at the point um, we got done with our work, and then also we were originally supposed to have Kurt Warner on, which we told you guys about. Uh, schedules changed. I don't know if you guys heard this, but a lot of things changed on the NFL calendar since we recorded our preview episode last week. That included Kurt Warner's schedule. He was supposed to be calling the Bears-Vikings game last night for Westwood 1. He ended up, if you're watching the Browns-Raiders game earlier in the day, he was on the TV call. Yeah, for I was going to say, in- instead he was going viral for his silver puffy jacket Yes, in Cleveland. <laughs> hey, Kurt Warner can rock whatever he wants to rock. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, man. I got, yeah. If, there, he- if there's a movie out on your life, you could do almost anything you want in terms of what you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or you could do it, or you can cancel on this podcast. And yes. I'm not going to be mad about it because you're Kurt Warner, you're Hall of Famer, and you have a movie about your life coming out this week. But that was partly why he was going to be. Better like on. my puffy jacket. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this is where we still have respect for the guy. I'm still willing to plug his movie, American Underdog, comes out sometime this week. They sent us a screener at like 10 o'clock last night. Uh, sorry, I'm not watching that. Uh, I had a Bears game to cover, but hey, I'll watch it sometime this week. I will. Watch I'm excited it. about it. Yeah. But I do yeah. like his story. But yes, that uh, changed. That's why we're doing yeah, so, this today. So Kurt Warner is not on the podcast. We were, you know, we were looking forward to talking to him about Justin Fields, obviously, and that would have been great, uh, but he wasn't at the game. So, um, And he was supposed to be in Chicago today, still doing promotional stuff, and obviously he wasn't here. So they they, they canceled the whole thing, and that's fine. So you're just going to have to hear us yell about the Bears, which is normally what you guys are here for anyway. Uh, and and that's, that's fine. <laughs> you might have to play that again. That was one of the great moments of last night's game. Uh, if you again, you're gonna have to listen carefully. But uh, this is in the background of the broadcast. A fan picked up by a hot mic. After further review, we suck. It's true. It's true. It's true. Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough. I don't know where Tony Romo just came from there. Um. 
Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read our reaction. It's all up. Uh, Johns, he's on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns is where you go if you are not subscribed. Um, good Christmas gift. I've given that out to my dad. People, I know, get a little... Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have a Christmas deal this year? You usually do. Yeah, or the gift deal is still out. Yeah. So gift it. And you could gift it to somebody. It's a pretty sweet deal. Uh, and then, but then they're subjected to Kevin Fishbane all the time. So you might want to be careful with that. The best part about The Athletic is there's so much more. <laughs> yes, <laughs> ah, we you don't have to read the, you don't have to read the Bears coverage. Uh, read, yeah, it's, it's actually Read true. about the Bulls. Read about the Bulls. Um, read about Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Read about other it's all there. winning football teams. Teams, winning baseball teams and whatnot. But yes, NFL coverage. Ignore the Bears for a little bit. But no, read me. Uh, I'll still read you. There's a lot to read. Um, And you can find my stuff at NBCSportsChicago.com. And that's where I want to start. Because, Johns, here's the thing. Look, we're recording this so early. And usually I haven't seen the tape or rewatched the game at the point we record this post-game episode. And I haven't. I would say why bother, but go continue. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to know a couple things. You know, how I really feel about how Justin Fields played last night. It's one of those games where I have a feeling it's going to be better than I thought initially watching the game. Sometimes your mind gets clouded by all the crap that's going on down there at Soldier Field. <laughs> and you you, you kind of need to go back and watch the tape to see how individually how a player played. Same thing with Tevin Jenkins. You know, he had those penalties. Again, it's a problem. He's got to get over that. But I didn't see any major mistakes by Tevin Jenkins either. That, Off the top um, of my head. I'm fault. talking about like a, um, I think there was one technique problem at one point in the game. Otherwise, I, but my point is, I think he probably played better than I think. That false start penalty was odd. Did you see how that played out for him? They broke the huddle and he ran to the right side of the line, which is something they've been doing the last couple of weeks with those unbalanced lines. Yeah, so you you almost wonder if you're the wrong thing, which is understandable. He's yeah. a rookie, second start or first start, second game, and then Cole Komet I think sent him back to the left side, but obviously some confusion. At the false start, it is what it is. Um, did you want to talk about his other penalty? Like, like what were well, he, like, get, I, I, I like that one, but go on. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to save that for a little bit later. Um, it is on my list. But let's start here with Fields. Because regardless of how he played last night, I think this conversation is still relevant. We're almost to the end of the season. And I don't know how you feel but this feels like a wasted year. Mm. I don't like the word wasted. But but here's my point. It feels like Trubisky's rookie season. Not necessarily in comparing them as players and where they're at, but just what did he really get out of this? They've they've screwed this up so much. Going back to, you know, your strong opinions on on training camp, uh which are completely valid. What a waste of time training camp was, guys. <laughs> So I guess my my concern is what a wasted year this is, guys. F. You could swear, but um, I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna hold it together. Doesn't it feel that? Like, I, I, I I know exactly what you're saying. He's not I, making the pro- regardless of what the reasons are, or how much blame he deserves individually, which I don't. I tend to think not a lot. He's. It's, it hasn't been the rookie year you wanted. Right. This is a guy that should have been rookie of the year with and, the talent he has. And, Legitimately should have been rookie of the year. Or at least and was showing signs of breaking out in Pittsburgh and maybe doing that. At and least in the If he's on the Patriots, he's a runaway rookie of the year, even more than Mac Jones already is. The reason I don't like the word wasted in this instance is because I do think there's value in simply playing. Like, he needs to experience the experience of playing in the NFL. The speed, how much time he has, how elusive he could be, how close or how fast windows close. He needs to learn what NFL open is. He needs to learn to throw the ball away. I think that was evident last night. Like, those are things he could still pick up. But to your point, I think the Trubisky argument is completely valid here. Because all those things apply to Trubisky. But you know what? Fox got fired. Nagy's going to get fired. Didn't show growth continuously. Play calling was bad. And now he has to start all over with a new offensive staff. Maybe even a new GM compiling the team around him. 
Like, that's just the Bears. Like, one step forward, five steps back. That's my concern. That's my concern. You you get four years on these rookie deals, and those four years are most important. That window that we talk about is most important for quarterbacks because if the quarterback hits, you're paying them way more than you're paying the other positions. Okay? So you have to maximize these four years. And at a minimum, when year one is over, you better have a good idea yeah, of whether yeah. or not he's the guy. And do not do not get me wrong. I am not arguing that he should not have been playing. I am not that guy. You and I are on record. We think he should be playing, and I agree with you that there is value in playing. So that's not at all where I'm going with this. I just feel like it's been a waste of time. Like, what has he gotten out of it? Other than the actual play. Like, and there are examples... We can talk about the fourth and one last night. Shitty play call, shitty play design. Always happens. You said one you guys, weren't going to swear, but go on. Yeah, and now I'm starting to lose it. Guy misses his tag in the huddle. Darnell Mooney doesn't hear his tag, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, like in a play call, there's like certain tags that say, okay, you are supposed to line up here. So there's a, some word in that play call that said, and, and Mooney said it was right at the end, where it says, Mooney, you're lining up in the backfield. So now you have this play where uh, Darnell Mooney's in the backfield. He's a wide receiver. He's in the backfield by himself. Your best offensive player is David Montgomery. He's on the sideline. It's fourth and one. Okay, cool. Your running back that is on the field, Khalil Herbert's lined up like a tight end on the end of the formation. Stupid. Uh, I don't know what that's doing. So let's do a fake handoff to air. Fake handoff to nobody because Mooney's running a flat. Vikings are in a perfect defense because, as uh, Fields put it, they carded it well. So they knew, in other words, they carded it in practice in scout team. They knew what was coming. Hey, when you see this, do this. Actually, uh, let me interject here. If you rewatch that play, Mooney comes open. Yes. The cornerback's hips are turned to him. They're turned so to here's inside. my question to you on that. Are you talking about right at the beginning or later? I, now, Fields comes off his progression. He goes from Mooney, then he goes to that over route. But if you watch when Fields turns that over route, yeah. Mooney is open. The cornerback has turned his hips. Like his rear end, his back is now facing the sideline. Mooney is essentially uncovered. Didn't get back to him fast enough. I, I get I get it because you're going through your progressions, but maybe it's a timing issue. The whole timing of the play was off anyway, but just tell no, but- me. John, that, that that's actually what I was going to get to. Where this is this is actually an example of why it's good he's playing, because he he went into detail about this in his post game. Because Dan Weeder and I kept peppering him with, wait, what what was supposed to happen here? Who was your, what was your progression? Blah blah blah. And he ended up explaining the whole thing, which is one thing I appreciate about Fields. You know, he's willing to defend himself and go into detail and admit when he's when he when he can do better. So he said exactly what you just said, John. He's, first read was Mooney in the flat. Second read, read was the corner route, which I think was Graham. Graham ended up coming open late too, but th- he was past that progression at that point too. So his eyes go to the corner. When his eyes go to the corner, Mooney starts to come open, as you said, and Fields admitted that. But the third read is the over route. So now his eyes are off to the left. When So he had said, I missed Mooney when he came open because he was going through his reads. So, by the way, for those of you who say he's a one-read guy, another example of why that's stupid. He might be a slow-read guy at this point. He needs to be faster. I think it's totally unfair to say he's a one-read guy, and I hear way too many people talk about that. That's a different conversation. The point here is he said, next time I know in that situation, if the play is to the flat, and they are in cover two with the corner covering the flat, all I need to do is go low, high, low, look off the corner to get him off, and then rip the throw to the flat. That's something you see Aaron Rodgers do. That's something you see a lot of quarterbacks do. Uh, And and so it's a learning experience. That's right there why it is valuable for him to be playing. My point, why does he keep getting put in these situations where he's got to have that moment because everything else around him sucks? (laughs) It's a bad play call. It's fourth and one. You're in shotgun. You have a wide receiver in the backfield. Again, your best player's on the sideline, which makes no sense to me. And the defense, of course, has you covered. Like so many other times, they know what's coming. And, And so this is what I'm talking about more big picture is 
It's, they're wasting this year of Justin Fields. Well, it's already wasted. From, from that context, it's already, it's already wasted. Like it's, <laughs> Yes. And you're going to start over, like you said. And now he's got to learn a whole new offense again. And now, I mean, it's not like he's going to totally be a rookie. But remember how Matt Nagy talked about Trubisky's first year with him. A lot of times we, in our brains, think about 2018 as Trubisky's rookie year. Because that was the first year he was in a real system that was supposed to work. And, yeah. and he had to learn the whole offense. So by the time you get to year three of Trubisky's career, it's year two under Nagy. And that's the year you hear about Nagy going, oh, we're going from 101 to 202. Like, everything was off by a year already. And then he regressed. Isn't that so, just the, the recurring problem with the Bears, that they just don't know what they're doing? There's no foresight. There's no direction, <laughs> which is what I wrote about in my column. Um, directionless th- offense, directionless th- franchise. Like, Matt Nagy was given such a golden opportunity with Justin Fields. It's the quarterback that they wanted. It's the golden ticket. Yeah. And they're screwing it up. And they bungled the entire operation. I never fully understood the... I know there was that call a conspiracy theory that Andy Dalton was promised that he'd start. I don't know if that was the case. But they had this plan. Well, he's the one who said that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Um... Plans have to change, right? Like, and, and they're they're gonna lose their jobs because of it. Mm-hmm. Like when he starts, like when we talked in the preseason about him having success, playing well against the Dolphins, you know, uh, in practice and playing well during the preseason, and how hey, by most accounts, they had warrant an award. Yeah. He should play more. Be given different opportunities with better players. He never got that. And then three weeks into the season, they completely changed their plan. And you wonder why he struggles from the outset. It's golden opportunity blown by this offensive coaching staff. Foley. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, that's that's my frustration with this and watching this every week. Yes, there's a lot Fields can do better. Yes, he's having these rookie moments. You know, he's doing a jump, trying to do a jump pass with the guy in front of him, realizes he shouldn't throw it. Uh, he pulls it down, then takes a sack. And wasn't that the play he fumbled it too and somehow got it back? No, or he something? got it back. Like, they, they, they blew up a screen. The Vikings. Which is amazing. Yeah, you yeah. don't run screens. And yeah. then when you try to, they blow them up. They somehow yeah. know what's coming. Yeah. Like sometimes there's no logic in how this all plays out offensively. Well, you're not even a screen team. How do they know it's coming? <laughs> so just to go back to like the, the whole fourth down and one play. Now we know it was Matt Nagy calling plays. It felt like a Matt Nagy play. Like the like the simplicity. Like why does it have to be so hard? Even like on that third down run by David Montgomery. Why is he going east west? Go oh, north yeah. south. Horizontal. Go get the damn first down. <laughs> now, I will say the Bears ran the ball a lot on first down last night and got no yards. Like they're behind the sticks the whole time. So I do actually understand there being some hesitancy in just running the ball. I mean, you, you think you can always do that. Line up under center, fourth and one, run the ball. It's not that simple. You see plenty of those blown up. You know, that, that happens. My. One of the best fourth and one plays to me is just a slant. You know, and they're in cover two there, so I don't know if that would have necessarily worked either. But this is, this whole thing—it just everything isn't it insulting sometimes. Like that, I guess that's the point. Like, what are you doing? Your own players don't know where they're supposed to be on some of these plays. Like Mooney doesn't know he's supposed to be in the like, backfield. Let's, let's not have the receiver as the running back. Yeah, this is what I'm. I don't. And David Montgomery's on. I, okay, we've already talked about all that. It's just, I, I just to go back the, to your original point. Sorry. Yes, there are some wasted feelings. I'd like to reiterate that there is value in playing. Like it's good that he's experiencing the speed of this and saying what he's saying after the game. That is, that's a positive. Call it a positive if you want positive from a, a lot of negatives like he needs that 
But the fact that he's got to start over and how messily, how messy of an operation this was offensively for him the entire year. I'm not just talking about the season, but like starting when he was drafted. It's been a messy operation for Justin Fields. His head coach missed rookie minicamp. Yeah. Because of COVID. Now, that stuff, stuff happens. I'm not blaming anybody for that. But like that's that's just like introduction. Hello, welcome to House Hall. Matt Nagy's not here. He's in quarantine. It's like, that, in hindsight, that should have been a bad omen. Yeah. Uh I just I, I guess my larger point, Johns, is I just can't imagine if you're in upper management. I would hope you realize how fortunate you are that you landed Justin Fields. And quite frankly, and I wrote this last week in my Ryan Pace, and both Pace and Nagy deserve credit for maneuvering that situation and landing him. But then you still got to do something with them. And that's the point where you're at now. And it's got to be alarming to you if you're at the top of this organization. You've been gifted this player who, again, should have been, in my opinion, runaway rookie of the year. Not in Chicago, though. Not with this team. I'm just talking about the talent he is. And you're... We've talked about this, and this is why I wrote my column. Can the Bears screw this up? Absolutely they can. We know that. My concern is, is that already happening? Is that starting to happen already? And that's the question, if you're George McCaskey, you better be asking right now. And what he should be asking is, will I screw this up? Fair. Because let's be honest, you have to dismiss Matt Nagy at this point. The numbers are what they are. The record is what it is. It's tough to see this turning around. Forget the final three games, but next year. Like, how does this turn around? I, I get that the Ryan Pace conversation is more layered, but if you're if you're George McCaskey, like how, like he's a Bears fan at heart, and all Bears fans, like a lot, of, like like you just said, Bears fans are fear, are fearful that their team will screw this up, and they have every right to be. We've seen it play out before, albeit with less talented quarterbacks, but we've seen them bungle. Decisions around those quarterbacks. Jay Cutler, Mitch Trubisky. There's more to it. But. All right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. So Matt Nagy now. Because as you said, I mean, you, you got to let him go at this point. It's it's a mess. It just is. You're 4-10. Everybody's. I don't want to say they're going through the motions. I don't think that's completely fair because the defense balled out last night. Oh, but give a game. I, I gave a game ball to Sean Desai last night. Yeah, he and he deserves it. Um, but it's just it's it's just got to happen. Okay, so there's this new rule. We've talked about it a little bit, but it's now official. It got officially passed last week that. You can, if you have told your head coach, either fired him already or informed him he's not returning, which, by the way, would be so Bears. Wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that be such a Bears thing? Where well, wasn't like, that the, like the, the Mark Conkle report? We find out that actually Matt Nagy was told back in, uh, before Thanksgiving that he was fired, but like he's he actually, actually been coaching this whole time. Yeah, yeah. That would be the most Bears thing ever. <laughs> I mean, it really would. So technically, if that's the case, they could start interviewing candidates next week. <laughs> so 8 a.m. next Tuesday. Hi, Todd. What are you doing here? Hey, good to see you, Matt. And I'm just here interviewing for your job. Tough yeah. game last night. <laughs> Todd Bowles, that would be. Doug. Doug. Hey, what's up, Doug? Doug Peterson? What are you my, doing here? My really good friend, Doug Peterson? You didn't tell me you were coming in? What are you doing here? Remember you were here in training camp when we had Andy Dalton in as a starter and we weren't giving Justin any reps? Couldn't have spoken up about that at the time. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, we actually, they would not be at the facility. This is actually one of the things I want. So I got a little information on this. There's a story up from Friday. You can go check out NBCSportsChicago.com if you're wondering about the specifics about this. Um, so 
these interviews that can happen in this two-week window, so week 17 and 18 of the season, starting at Tuesday, next Tuesday at 8 a.m. local time. So in Chicago, 8 a.m., you can start doing that. Um, they have to be Zoom. They have to be virtual. They cannot be in person during those two weeks, and they're limited to two hours. So it's not like you can sit there. A lot of these head coaching interviews go like all day, right? Six yeah. hours at a time. There's like usually lunch involved. Yes. I mean, the Bears' uh, experience, there's like, you know, spouses yeah, come out. Yeah, wives and, flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I digress. No. Um, so the point there being, while you can probably get a little bit of a jump start and do some of these homeworks, get those initial conversations in, and first impressions do matter, even over Zoom, hard environment to all of a sudden, like, make a hiring. Right? Ah, uh, we've just had two hours with Josh McDaniels, who at least they've interviewed before in the past. Yeah. Um, and I'm just bringing that up as an example. Oh, two hours with Josh McDaniels over Zoom, you're hired. Like, that's not going to happen. So there's, there are some limitations. Um, I still think, though, with the Raiders and Jaguars already going to be in that window and taking advantage of it, it's probably worth getting in line and then not fall behind. But I don't know if it's the end of the world if the Bears don't end up taking advantage of it. That makes sense. I put off the inevitable. Which is what I was going to get to. Because the fair counterpoint to what I just said is what you just said. But what's there to lose? Like, why not try? Or why not take advantage of it? Like, what are you gaining at this point by letting this thing play out with these nonsensical play calls with your best like, player on like, the side. <laughs> like, George McCaskey's a good man. He is. And I could see him in, in his values wanting to give Matt Nagy the respect he probably thinks he deserves in having him finish out the year. I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. Again, right? Okay, can I? Here's I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is a strong point I wanted to make on this podcast. I think you can make an argument. I guess I'm about to that the respectful thing to do would be let the guy go home and enjoy Christmas with his family. At this point, he's getting humiliated. He's getting blasted every single one of these games. Beyond the fire, naggy chance. You know, you got Lewis, Riddick, Lewis Riddick trying to defend him last night on the broadcast, I think. But it's just none of it reflects. And Brian Greasy wasn't having any of it, as far as I understand. I have to rewatch the broadcast copy to hear what right. he was saying. Yeah. Um, my point is, really, my point is more specifically this. If your plan is to take advantage of this two-week window, which I'm not sure it is. I mean, knowing the Bears, I, I still almost feel like there's a better chance they're not going to. But that means you're going to fire the guy by mo- not by Monday next week, right? If that is your plan? Yes. Then wouldn't the respectful thing to do, as you're saying, respect? Let the guy go home and enjoy Christmas this, with his family. You're going to make him fly to Seattle next week and then fire him on Monday? Again, I'm saying this if this is already your plan. Like, you're sitting up there at House Hall and this is your plan to take advantage of this two-week window. If you're sitting there right now on Tuesday, what day is this, the 21st, and you know you're firing him on the 27th, in my opinion, the respectful thing to do would be go home, enjoy Christmas with your family. There's no need for you to come to Seattle. So if that's indeed what plays out, I'm going to be all over that next week. I think that's BS. You really think Matt Nagy wants that? You don't think he wants to finish out the year? I was having that same exact conversation with somebody last night. He's a football coach, so he probably wants to finish it out. Finish it out. But if you're asking me next Tuesday, and now I'm Matt Nagy, and they just fired me after flying all the way out to Seattle on Christmas Day... I'd be kind of mad about that because I didn't get to finish out the year. 
I just got to coach one more game. Do and I think th- that's one of those things that these coaches, they take job after job after job after job. They're never at home on Thanksgiving. They're never at home on Christmas. And it's they may not realize right now, but maybe three years down the road, they might be like, oh, man, I'm really glad the Bears fired me that week before Christmas. I at least had that one year where I could sit at home with my family. Maybe I'm thinking about this too much from a human perspective, but I actually make that effort a lot. And I know you do too. Like yeah. these are human beings and that part matters. I don't think he fires them until the end of the season. I don't either. Like you could still do groundwork. Like say Josh McDaniels is a candidate. Say Todd Bowles is a candidate. Say, I'm trying to think of other names interviewed. Um, that's the point, though. They've interviewed a bunch of these guys in recent history. They should still have notes on Todd Bowles. They should still have a bunch of notes on Josh McDaniels. I guess it's good that George and Ted were in all those interviews. Everyone was mad about that at the time. But That's, a, that's another layer to this conversation. I use the word layered too much, but that's just how it works with the Bears. Like, what's next with Ted? Well, and that's the other point. Who's doing these interviews? Who's conducting these Zoom calls in week 17 or 18, if you even yeah. go down that road? Who's asking you the questions? Could you actually end up turning off some candidates because of how, dis- how unorganized it could look? It's like, like I'm I mean, being serious. Like, who's, is it, is it George? To, and if I'm a candidate and I'm interviewing, I'm asking, I'm asking, hey, who's, Who's in what job two weeks from now? Like I'm, if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm going. Okay, I'm interested in this job, but who's the team president? Who's is there going to be a football op guy? Who's the GM? What's happening to Ryan Pace? Yeah, yeah. So that's another part of this. Like if you're firing Nagy on Monday after Seattle, like technically that's still Ryan Pace's call. Yeah, in the hierarchy of things of 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 Hallisaw. That is still Ryan Pace's call. That is his decision to make. And I don't think he would fire Nagy right now. As bad as things are. Maybe he wants to. But would George let him? Layers! Make a new shirt. Layers. Layers. <laughs> Should be. What? A, but this is, a, this is where I go back to. It's a directionless. Literally right now, they don't have a direction. Like, no one knows what the direction is. And they might have the, you know, I've talked to people. There are people who still, even within the organization, believe Justin Fields is going to end up being the best quarterback out of this very talented quarterback class. I don't know if that's going to be true or not. I'm just telling you that's what people think. That's what people believe. Yeah, well, he's your direction. He should be. But they all need help. Even the greatest quarterback of all time, and Tom Brady, needs help. Great segue. He finally got that help from Tevin Jenkins last night. Someone finally came to his back. Remember, I pointed this out in week three in Cleveland when nobody went to help up the rookie quarterback after he got sacked. Jason Peters eventually did like three seconds later, but everybody just stood around. Looking at each other. Who gave up that sack? <laughs> how about that analysis? Well, you could. I mean, you lost count how many sacks there were that yeah, day. Wasn't it nine lot, or something? There was a lot. Nine. Um, guy's taking a beating. Refs won't look out for him. He can't buy a call. Call yeah, me I, old. Go call ahead. me old fashioned. <laughs> old fashioned. Old fashioned. You know. But I've always liked. When offensive linemen are there to pick up their running backs, pick up their receivers, pick up their quarterbacks, yeah, that's their job. Like even if it's a run down the field and David Montgomery gets flipped over or or whatnot, right? To see uh, a lineman pick him up, like that always means so much to me. I, I again, call me old fashioned, but like I like when offensive linemen do that. I think some of the best still do that. We teach that at the high school level. Constantly, not just with the quarterbacks. Your running back, help help your teammate up always. That's why I had no problem with Tevin Jenkins penalty either. But this brings up a bigger thing. 
I think on the defensive side of the ball, you still have guys playing for each other, not just for themselves. Although I do think there's some of that too. You have a lot of guys on this team right now playing for contracts. That's what I'm seeing on offense. I'm not seeing enough guys play for each other. Like I think you are still seeing on the defensive side enough. Offensively, and I think that that's that's telling. Like I don't know, I don't know how you were feeling. I was getting frustrated in the press box, just like if everything's going against your rookie quarterback, it should piss you off when he takes an unnecessary shot on the sideline. And let me be clear, I'm not calling that an illegal shot. He was probably still in bounds. It was still unnecessary. He was running out of bounds. He didn't need to be blasted. I believe the ball was thrown. So, I like that Tevin Jenkins took exception to that. And let's be very clear about what Tevin did, okay? Tevin didn't get a flag because he went over there and confronted the guy. That stuff happens, and they probably would have broken it up without without a flag. Like, he went and defended his quarterback, and they probably would have broken it up in a normal circumstance. Everyone, cooler heads would have prevailed. Tevin's point was made. He backs up his quarterback, and everyone can move on. But what I saw, unless I saw something that, and I haven't watched it back this morning, but what I thought I saw was that a Vikings player came in and threw a punch. Yeah. And then he reacted to that, and that's where his flag came in. So, the biggest problem all that, in my opinion, is that the referees didn't see the initial punch. I think the way, I think the correct way that that should have all played out, Justin takes an unnecessary shot on the sideline. His offensive lineman comes to have his back, which he should. Vikings take a sucker punch. Tevin punches back or whatever he did. Offsetting penalties. Everyone moves on. But the refs, like they screwed up so many other things last night, didn't see the initial punch. Tevin reacted to that. He gets flagged. Unfortunately, that kind of stuff's going to happen. What I absolutely hated was Jermaine Effetti oh, coming in yeah. there and humiliating the guy yeah. who's playing his second NFL game, doing the right thing, having his quarterback's back. Who are you, Jermaine Effetti? Seriously, you've been on IR. You were terrible earlier this season. I think he's the the by far the lowest-graded offensive lineman I have. Other than, I think, Latavius Simmons, which isn't fair because he played like half a game in Tampa and was put in an unfair position. So, and, and the Fetty was still hot on the sidelines like five minutes later, like still upset about the whole thing. Juan Castillo's having this private conversation with Tevin Jenkins, and I'm just sitting there up there the whole time going, you need more of that. You yeah. need more of your offensive linemen playing nasty. And having your quarterbacks back, this is exactly the problem with this football team. And they're yelling at the wrong guy. This may sound like meathead conversation, meatball conversation. But I'm sure if you're scouting the Bears, so you're the Vikings watching film on them, you probably feel like you could get away with some extra contact on Justin Fields for a variety of different reasons. The officials aren't calling those penalties. Nobody's helping him. He's holding the ball too long. We could take our liberties. We could take our shots on this guy because we can get away with it. You saw that happen in the end zone. Justin Fields literally takes a knee. The defensive lineman picks him up and slams him into the end zone. Now they called a penalty on that, but they had to confer and talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, Justin had to beg for it, bring a line judge over. But again, there's film of this. This like the Steelers game comes to mind. Like, no, I tweeted this last night. It's on film. Yeah, like you can hit Justin Fields without yeah. gaining a penalty. This isn't meathead conversation, Johns. This is what they're talking about. I guarantee you, every opponent. Yeah, it was only a matter of time before somebody took a headshot at him. Yeah, take your shots. Take your shots. You know. And fortunately, and they handled that right. And again, that's what you want. Yeah, it was a good penalty call. Like that's what you want to do against rookie quarterbacks. You want to rattle them. Any quarterback. You start hitting them, the clock in their head changes, the willingness to take, stand in that pocket changes. It's on film. It's on film. I know there's got to be a balance. You don't want, like, 
penalties aren't good. I get that with Tevin Jenkins, but at that point in the game, at this point in the season, for everything we've seen, could this show us some fight? You gotta. And it's probably better that it was a young rookie who was drafted not too long after Justin Fields was. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I like that Justin had Tevin's back after the game. And he even said, we need more of that. Good. We need less of the guys complaining because he went. This is the most, the most action I saw from Jermaine Effetti last night was him uh, getting mad at Tevin Jenkins yeah. from his quarterback's back. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing to pull him away, but he's screaming at He shoved him. Get out of here. The Bears have an offensive line problem. They have um, for years now. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've tried to create an identity with Juan Castillo. Um, the interior of the offensive line, I'm looking at Cody White here and James Daniels. They, they've they've not had good seasons. Lack of development. Like, James Daniels is a second-round pick, and I don't know about you, but I had some high expectations for him this year, this being a contract year. Yeah. Especially because I liked the steps he was taking last year before he got hurt. I thought he was playing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those feel-good vibes of him suplexing that Raiders linebacker are long gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the nasty you want. Like, Jason Peters was helping change that line. I, I, don't, I don't know. Something, you know, that storyline has blown up. But they have an well, offensive line problem. I can tell you that's one of the frustrating things about writing positive film reviews after some of these games. They almost always come back to back. Like, because nothing good that happens is, is sustained. So, like, you go back to that Raiders game. I specifically did, I did a whole film session. There were so many good clips on Twitter that week. Some that I put out there of really nasty, good offensive line play. Lasted one week. I wrote about Eddie Goldman. He had, like, a two-week stretch in there where he started to look like Eddie Goldman again. It's does, like, he oh, look, does he look bigger to you? I don't know anymore. I, 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 he's not making enough plays. That's all I know. That's another decision you're going to have to make in the offseason. I didn't think he was that bad last night. I think it, you know the the defense deserved better. Well, I'm not saying he was night. bad. Yeah. They actually, as a as a group, they did really good on uh, slowing down. The fact that they were able to slow down Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson with who somehow. they had on the field. And one thing on Thomas Graham, I know it's. This is actually one thing I might defend the Bears on a little bit. I know it's very easy to point out. You've had all these cornerback needs all season. How's this guy, why has this guy been on your practice squad when he has that debut that he does? And that's a fair question. Don't get me wrong. But it's also possible that that time on the practice squad is why he came out and played so well. Like You can actually develop and learn. And he clearly wasn't ready at the beginning of the season the guy didn't so, play football last year. Right. So I'm just I like, it is a fair question. Hey, you've had all these needs at corner and guys playing poorly. This guy couldn't get on the field earlier. Totally fair question. I'm just saying it's also possible that he played that well last night because he's been on the practice squad developing. Yeah. Okay. I see that Thomas Graham argument out there, and I raise you the Jesper Horsted argument. You have tight ends who aren't making catches and making plays for you. Jesper Horst, that seems to make every time contested catches. Why the hell is he not playing anymore? Like I'm, enough more. I'm I get it was a it was a throw up touchdown at the end of the game, but you know what? He still made it. It was a contested catch. I'll give you he another make, one. Yeah. Um, all the wide receiver problems you've had this year. Poor Rodney Adams gets one chance and he drops it, which is on him. But he can't even be active last night. You got Simba Webster active. Like, why not let him work through that problem? This is a guy who, if you watch his preseason film, makes a lot of plays, also has a drop problem. Absolutely fair. You can't trust guys you can't hold on the ball. But you know who also has a drop problem? Every other pass catcher you have. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's making plays. This goes back to um, like the Jesper Horsted conversation with the, and I'll add the Brashad Perryman 
argument here too. Like, like there are some misevaluations happening, and I, I don't know if Thomas Graham is one of them, but it's definitely happening on the offensive side of the ball. Oh yeah, like that's apparent to me. Well, it also goes back to why is this system that sucks so hard to learn? The answer when you ask why Rashad Perriman <laughs> didn't get on the field all, all season. <laughs> Say that again so everybody just has that like embedded in their memories. <laughs> why does this system that suck or why is this system that sucks so hard to learn? <laughs> That's it. That's it. But you ask why did Rashad Perriman dig on the field? Uh, yeah, he's just trying to work through the playbook and, uh, you know. Okay, goes to Tampa. It plays 80% of the snaps the second week he's there. Now, in fairness, he was on Tampa before. Probably had some knowledge of that offense, but... Come on. You like you claimed him off waivers and he didn't play. <laughs> Before week one, he did not play a snap for you. And he caught a game winning touchdown from Tom Brady last week. I, I, it, no one's sitting here claiming Brashad Perriman's any good. He's a bust as a first rounder, but like these are the things that happen to the Bears. And yeah. it's because you're a bad organization. Like See, the- good this good organizations take a guy like that and Tom Brady gets a game winning touchdown out of him, bam, like that. And then they'll throw him away and he'll probably go away. But they come in and they take advantage of it. The Bears have these guys sit on the practice squad for years and do nothing. This is the this is where personnel and coaching split, right? Cause I guarantee you there's been some scouts just pounding the table. Hey, give Thomas Graham a shot. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That this this is where they split, and this is where development comes into play. You know, you could you draft guys, but the scouts aren't the ones who develop them. Ryan Pace isn't out there coaching up the guys. This is where the coaches actually have to coach. They're in charge of the development. They're in charge of the game plans. They're in charge of <laughs> finding out what these players do best and putting them in the best situations to succeed. To use some coaching lingo there. Not good. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. I don't know. We've talked enough. Uh, the officiating also sucks. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm just it's I'm just so sick of it. It's so bad. It's systematic. I think the really and I've talked about this before, the thing that really bothers you and frustrates you, I think just as a football fan is like the arrogance. There is an arrogance to it, yeah. Every single person watching that game understands that Deion Bush hit the ball before he made contact with the receiver. And if that again, it always to me always goes back to the rules. If it's a rule that you can hit the ball before the receiver and it's still a penalty, then the rule sucks. Yeah. Yeah. The T's Tabor one, like I get what they're trying to do. I understand the essence of the rule, like why they expanded that outside the tight end box, whatever you want to call it. But he didn't go for Brian O'Neill's legs. He tried to dive past Brian O'Neill to make the tackle, which he did. But the point I made on Twitter, Johns, and you'll understand this, as a former defensive football player, and I had I had one current NFL player respond to me on Twitter, agreeing with me and calling it a crap call, and then I had a couple other reach out to me too because my point was, so the, that rule is saying, and Pat Finley did a good job uh, with the, uh, pool report after the game, talking to Scott Novak and trying to get clarification on why that's a penalty. If you're trying to, literally trying to make a tackle, a good tackle, by the way, a great tackle, it's illegal. You can no longer go through a blocker low to make a tackle. Like, I was kind of joking on Twitter at, when that play happened. You can, Everyone knows you can't go through a blocker to make a tackle. I mean, that's what the... But then they literally came out of the game like, well, you can't go through a, t- a blocker low anymore to make a tackle outside the tight end box. So imagine in film review. So T. Saber goes in the film review. Imagine what the conversation in film review would have been if instead he just let himself be blocked. Yeah. Instead of trying to make a tackle. 
Instead, he just said, oh, I'm not allowed to make a tackle here, so just block me. Because that's what they're asking them to do. And these players can't do that. They're not co- They're not coached to let themselves be blocked. And they know they're going to get scolded in film review if that's what they do. So this is again where... Was he even I blocked? I don't know. I well, mean, he'll I probably mean, get fined for it like everything else. Yeah, I mean, was he? Was there even a block by O'Neal made on, on Tabor? Like, the play went left and Dalvin Cook cut back right. You know, so what the, I mean, what, but they're saying they're saying Tabor's the one who blocked. Yeah, why? Which again, it like makes yeah. no sense. Like yeah. he's trying to make a tackle, but he's blocking somebody. Yeah, stupid. Like I get you want to protect the knees of players. I'm all for that, but I'm pretty sure O'Neal stayed upright on that play. He, he did. didn't go down. He did. But this is why I will hundred percent go to bat for these players because they're not yeah. allowed to talk about this stuff or they get fined. Shout out to Robert Quinn who actually yeah. <laughs> who actually did go. Let me see if I can... Uh, I got it right here. Want me to read it to you? You want to play it? Or want me to read it? I don't have the sound. I just have the quote in front of me. All right, Robert Quinn. Last quote from him Monday night. Honestly, some of these calls are starting to get a little crazy. These refs seem like they're controlling the game a little too much. If a play is clean and they're throwing a flag over something that they thought they can change the game just by one flag. So, I mean, like guys play ball. If this was a couple years ago, half this stuff wouldn't even be called. But now, they, but now they've got so many stupid rules and it's dang near in the refs' hands. It can change at any given moment. I think they can go check the refs. They're hiring. I think they need to go check the refs they're hiring and not our coach. You forgot to do the Eeyore voice, though. Eeyore. Does he talk like Eeyore? Like everything's like he just seems so sad all the time. Yeah, He's having a great year. Yeah. And, and by the way, yeah. I put that on Twitter. People thought I was taking a shot at him. I love Eeyore. No. Yeah. I love Winnie the Pooh, and it's just the way he talks. It's really so. He's uh talking his about voice his, inflection. He goes. He's got asked about. He's a second and a half away from Richard Dent's record. Well, I guess it's a decent individual season. Thanks for noticing me. You know, like that's what Eeyore would say. I love him for it, though. He's a very, like, uh, he doesn't like the attention. He doesn't want the attention. And he no. just goes out there and dominates. And he's like, oh, yeah, I ran into Matt Nagy at the uh, hotel. He told me I made the Pro Bowl. I had no idea. I was watching. I was upstairs watching Forensic Files. I don't watch ESPN. That's what he said. I, I, I don't I know. love that actually. I do. I I everything about Robert Quinn this year has been great. Uh yeah, kudos and, to him for getting the Pro Bowl. Especially and, after last season. What a great individual story. And taking a fine for the team. Because he's gonna get fined for those comments about the officials. Yeah. Which again is is part of my problem. Like you can't there's no accountability. No one's allowed to, to criticize them except for us. They ignore everything we say. And then they just put out these videos that make no sense. They're like, yep, yeah, 100% our officials are right. No. It, it's a difficult job, but I think we can all agree. Every football fan can agree. Every media member, every player, every coach. When officials' calls start having a direct influence on, like... The scoreboard. Yes. That is a problem to me. That is a huge problem to me. It shouldn't be that way. And when Tom Brady can go tell an opposing coach to go F himself, and that's not taunting compared to what Cassius Marsh did, yeah. he literally walks over to the opposing bench and tells a coach to go F himself. Yeah. There's too much ambiguity. It's it, Again, I don't think any of these taunting calls should be called, except for the most egregious, obvious ones. And that, again, is my point with this stuff. Instead of using common sense, it's the 100 guys in a bar argument, right? If 100, sorry, guys, girls, whoever, 100 people in a bar say, oh, that's a penalty? Okay, that's a penalty. But when 100 people in a bar say that's a terrible call and you come out with a video saying it was the right call, (laughs) get out of here. Yeah. 
you're right. There is an arrogance to it. Like this is the letter of the law. This is what, like like here, here's the thing. Like there was a few plays last night. Like Angela Blackson stands out. Like oh, they're gonna call taunting, but then they just weren't gonna call taunting. Then like he stood over a guy for three seconds and they didn't like, call taunting. Like I, I get that taunting was a point of emphasis earlier in the season, but like 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 why if you just you're just done calling it, <laughs> you know? But some people are still calling it. I yeah, saw a taunting true. call. Uh, you, you, we, we were there together on Sunday. When the uh, which game was that? Was it the Ravens? Game? Someone oh, pointed Ravens at somebody Packers. after a touchdown. Ravens Packers. No pointing. Oh. Think of the children, Johns. You can't point. Taunting. No pointing. That is unacceptable behavior. That pointing. There's no consistency. Yeah, it's got to be so tough to be a defensive player in this league. But like the frustrations, like you, you got to make split second decisions out there in a fast moving sport. Like the Deion Bush play, that dude is falling to the ground. If Deion Bush doesn't put his hands on that ball, and make contact, that's a catch. That's a great catch. Well, that's the thing about that. The penalty was still better than letting him catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, it should have been a uh, the end of the drive, but the. Taking the 15-yard penalty was still better than letting him catch the ball, which is what what would have happened if he didn't do what he did. Yep. Sucks to play defense in today's NFL. I guarantee you when Sean Desai gets in that film room today, those clips are going to be up. It's going to be great play, Deion Bush. Great play, Tease Tabor. Sorry you're probably going to both get fined for those plays. Yeah. (laughs) Think about that. Backup secondary in. Thanks for playing. Thanks for your valiant effort. You guys were outstanding last night. Here's a bunch of fines. Thank you for playing this great game. You know what would be cool? You know how like the That build- sucks. It, it doesn't it? Yeah. It, and again, it goes back to exactly what I tweeted. I, I'm telling you, I heard from players. They're getting penalized for things they absolutely have to do. Like you said, if Deion Bush doesn't do what he does, it's a catch. Tease Tabor's supposed to not block the guy? Or not tackle the guy, I mean? It's it's ridiculous. But good job, NFL. Good job, uh, Rules Committee. And and I actually I, I have of sympathy for the officials, too. They are being asked to officiate way too much. And the smarter, good officials are realizing they make more money on TV. So at the same yeah. time, you're having the best officials leave the game where they can then sit upstairs and tell us tell everybody how bad the calls are down on the field. These younger officials are coming up, and they're being asked to officiate player behavior. Yeah. No which pointing. Is com- which is completely subjective. Right? They're like there's chaperones out there now. It's like recess. Don't do this. Hey, no pointing. Behave yourself, Tommy. Go sit over there in the corner for five minutes. <laughs> hey, no, actually, Tom, do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tommy gets to do whatever he wants. Aaron Rodgers, do whatever you want. Aaron's fine. Oh, you want to F-bombs at the fans? Nah, that's fine. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're fine. Yeah. You, you know, there's like teacher pets, right? You know, Those guys aren't going to get in trouble. But, oh, Cassius Marsh, who are you? Yeah. New kid. Right? Keep that kick to yourself, you jerk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. What was that kick? Oh, man. Oh, don't do it. I've don't never do seen it, that Cassius. before. Don't do it. Don't. Hip check. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Sorry. I had to get this in. Angry today. Angry Tuesday. We had wacky Tuesdays. Angry Tuesday. Tired and crabby Tuesday, more like it. I'm glad we waited to do this this morning. We would have been so tired last night. Sorry, everybody had to wait for the podcast, but trust me, it ended up better this way. Plus, you got a lot more out of it. Yeah, at least an extra half hour. Basically, double the podcast. So, uh, appreciate everyone listening. Sorry you have to deal with this team for the rest of the season. Voicemails on Thursday. Yeah, well, voicemails uh, coming up. And um, is that what you're doing? No episode tomorrow, just Thursday? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin will be filling in for me on Thursday. So you guys will have it. You guys will have the voicemails. And uh, previewing Bears 
Seahawks in Seattle. Three more to go. I don't know what to say. Hopefully Justin gets something out of it. <laughs> Little things. Little things. How can he make a bad play call good? <laughs> it's the only thing he's learning right now. <laughs> uh, why is the system that sucks so hard to learn? I'll just leave you Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, NBCSportsChicago.com for me. Find us on YouTube. You can watch us. Uh, subscribe. Hit that notification button. Plenty to come over the next few weeks and, quite frankly, probably beyond that. We're not going anywhere. We're going to cover this thing to the, to the end. And then beyond because there will be a lot of work after that. <laughs> Maybe when it's all over, there will be a direction. Their direction will be right now. The Bears have that compass that just keeps spinning, like in the movies. Yeah, heard uh, Jack Sparrow's broken compass that he just taps on. <laughs> I think that's George McCaskey right now. He's like, it's uh, not working. This thing worked. It's always broken. All right. Um, since I won't talk to people till uh, I guess Sunday, Sunday in Seattle. Everyone have a Merry Christmas. And uh, hope everyone's staying healthy out there. It's a wild, wild world right now. So uh, everyone have a Merry Christmas. Johns, you too. Have fun with Kevin Thursday. I will. Merry Christmas, my friend. Talk to you guys later. See ya.